Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and in today's episode, Mike Mahorder from our Church Life Cycles team is talking with four worship leaders from Fellowship Pacific about the challenges of leading a church in worship during this COVID season. You'll get to hear from Jason Oldham, Todd Gallagher, Kenzie Corzan, and Jared Mahorder about the ways COVID has challenged them in their worship leading, how to create opportunities for congregational worship that don't include singing, and what their hopes are for the church as we move forward and out of the pandemic. So let's get to it. Here's Mike's conversation with Jason Oldham, Todd Gallagher, Kenzie Corzan, and Jared Mahorder. Welcome to our Propel podcast. COVID-19 has turned 2020 into an historic year. Never in my lifetime anyway. And I've, uh, I've lived longer than anybody else that's going to be with me on this podcast today. But never in my lifetime have we had our customs, our routines, our assumptions about church challenged in such a way as now. Churches all over most of the Western world at least were shut down for months. Now many are reopening their services, but they faced new challenges with how to conduct a hybrid type service with a small number of people in the room and others watching from home or in small groups. So today we want to talk about leading our churches into significant worship without congregational singing. And I want to say a couple things about this topic before I introduce our guests. First of all, we're not trying to minimize the importance of congregational singing and worship. Scripture is full of references to music and singing as key forms of worship. Paul twice tells us to communicate with each other through singing. A Jewish temple worship heavily featured music and singing with people whose primary job was, was that. Uh, there's a whole book of our Bible devoted to songs, and we have recorded at least one time when Jesus and his disciples sang together. And Revelation tells us that there will be a lot of singing in heaven. So this is not anti-singing. At the same time, one of the responsibilities of a shepherd is to protect the sheep. And singing as a congregation is seen as one of the riskiest, riskiest things that we can do right now when we're dealing with an airborne virus. So for the time being, many churches are not doing, congregational, not doing congregational singing in their services, just in order to keep their people safe. But that creates a special challenge for worship leaders because for many of us, singing has been our primary method of worship in church services. In fact, singing in church has become almost synonymous with worship. That's evident even in the language we use. We have worship teams and worship leaders. And when we talk about worship time, we typically think of singing. So how do we lead our people into worship without it? I'm convinced that one of the hidden blessings of COVID is that we are forced back to the drawing board to find new and creative ways to honor and praise God that aren't locked into singing, not as a long-term Placement for singing, but as an enhancement to our overall worship. And that is what we want to explore today in this podcast. I'm joined by four worship leaders from our Fed Pacific churches. Todd Gallagher recently was recently teaching pastor at Burnett Fellowship Church. Kinsey Corzan is a worship leader at Village Church. Uh, Jared Mahorder, a pastor of youth and worship at Richmond Baptist, and Jason Oldham. Director of Worship Arts at South Delta Baptist. Welcome to the four of you. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. So um, as we begin this podcast, would you just introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about your ministry experience in worship? Um, and, I, and maybe we could go in the same order that I introduced you, Todd, Kinsey, Jared, and, and Jason. Yeah, so I'm Todd and Todd Gallagher, and I've been part of leading worship since uh, college and in various churches, church plants, uh, larger churches, smaller churches, love to worship, uh, love to give God glory, and uh, as a musical background, um, and uh, I've, I've noticed that it's been amazing to see 
how vast and broad the brush of worship can be outside of music, outside of the service. And uh, I've learned a lot from my friends over the years. And my name's Kenzie Corzan, and I had the blessing of growing up in a family that was involved with worship ministry for generations. Um, I grew up at Jason's church at South Delta Baptist that I'm sure he'll talk about later. Um, yeah, and there I had amazing leaders that really fostered a heart of worship and a heart for worship leading. So that when it came time to go to college, I went out east to the East Coast and studied uh, vocal performance and music business. And from that, uh, it, there was a catalyst for seeing the church uh, work in and through creativity um, to bring glory to God. Uh, when I left that school, I came back and uh, had a job at Village Church where uh, since 2016, I've been there handling different tasks in the worship department, um, mostly as a worship leader at our Langley South campus when we are obviously meeting in person. Um, my husband and I just welcomed our first baby boy three months ago. So um, I've been on mat leave since then, but I spent a few months in this COVID season um, and it has have been challenged by it for sure. And I'm excited to talk about it and learn from each of you about it. My name's uh, Jared Mahorder and uh, I uh, actually grew up in uh, Mike's church. <laughs> Not by choice. No, he's my dad. Um, but I actually started uh, playing with worship teams. It was, I guess, the eighth grade. They needed a drummer and I decided I wanted to learn drums. So I, I started uh, with the drums and then had piano background, but music was always a part of our family and the church and worship was always something that was important to us. So I've been involved in worship ministries in various ways at the churches I've been at um, for quite a few years. And then uh, pastoral ministry since um, 2004 or so, um, 2005, I guess. And uh, currently I'm at Richmond Baptist. Uh, I oversee all of our worship ministry, ranging from the tech and stuff to the, the teams themselves. Yeah, uh, my name is Jason, and uh, it's great to be part of this. Um, I want to learn through it, so this is kind of fun to hang out with some people I have really yet to meet. Um, so yeah, I've been doing this for a while, and by this I mean um, leading the church to Jesus, um, mostly in song, but my I would say, um, as this podcast will explore, um, as I've been learning through what it means to live a life of worship, um, that, that, that every day um, that should and could include so much more. Uh, so while I love um, Jesus and I love um, playing him tunes uh, and being creative with my hands, just like, um, like Kenzie was saying, just that whole thing of arts and creativity. And I think we were made to appreciate that in the way, not somewhat into the way God appreciates his children offering those kind of things to him. But um, yeah, so for 20, I would say, I don't even want to age myself here yet, but uh, for a number of years, uh, started probably, probably what pushed me into this um, calling was um, picking up a guitar in Bible college and uh, and, and, and learning to be in a community of people that love Jesus and we're, we're kind of doing that in the same direction, whether it was singing or whether it was scripture or, or services or whatever, and then ended up at a camp uh, where music was a big thing and somehow ended up um, with a microphone at camp. That was a weird thing. I didn't plan on it. And, uh, and then sort of did numerous seasons at that camp leading kids um, in worship in the summer. So that kind of just kind of pushed me into that world and then ever since just being in pastoral ministry kind of leading as a youth and an associate it's always been part of the the the, the love and the passion that i've had for the local church so it's kind of the story of that and i keep continuing to grow in it so it's fun okay great thank you so how is your church conducting its weekly worship services during this pandemic jared what about you yeah, currently uh, we're uh, totally online for our Sunday services. 
Um, we had been, um, but they're all, they're all live streamed. So it's an, we're in a bit of an interesting situation. So we had started the process of live streaming uh, about a year and a half ago. We started experimenting with that and started purchasing hardware and things that we were going to need. And so we'd already been on that journey. And so we just uh, essentially said, there's, so we have a small team that we bring in on a Sunday morning and we run our service to a largely empty room. Um, and so that's, yeah, all on YouTube. That's where we're doing it right now. And then just pushing people to small groups for community and sort of that connection and, and worship and connection. Okay, thank you. And what are you doing, Jason? Well, we have been part of a, um, we started pretty much um, soon as soon as the, the lockdown hit, um, we started doing kind of the pre-recorded service uh, midweek, a uh, little bit of edits, and then posting a simulated live stream on Sunday. So it was open for a certain period of time so that it just allowed for the church to gather. And we use a platform that you can have chats and things like that where your church is connecting to some degree. Um, and so we have been doing that for probably about five months. We did our first in-person um, true live stream gathering, which, which caused, it's been a learning curve kind of figuring that out. But we did an outdoor summer service in the courtyard, which was wonderful for services, the whole deal. Um, and that was kind of a bit of a testing ground for moving towards this, what I feel is going to be a need, depending on how this COVID thing goes up or down, is you have this tension between people coming and being there live, but also you have at least half or more of your church um, worshiping at home. So the only way I see that happening is either creating two communities and, and you need lots of staff to do that, but which we don't have. So it's, we're, we're moving to a uh, full live stream in-person gathering next Sunday. Okay. So that's kind of been in the, in the thick of that transition now. So it's kind of fun Thanksgiving. Okay. Thank you. Would either of the other two of you like to uh, comment on this question? No, I think I'm good. Thank you. Okay. It's online. <laughs> all right. So here's a question I would like all of you to respond to, and that is how has COVID challenged you both in both your understanding of worship and your ministry? Kinsey, why don't you start with this one? You have to unmute yourself there, Kinsey. <laughs> Sorry, thank you. Um, I think in regards to my ministry, it's brought into question if the question of have I encouraged a, um, a heart of singing, not just worship, but of singing beyond a Sunday morning, right? Because so often we associate, like you were saying, Mike, Sunday service with worshipful singing but have we done it the other way around where it's like are we encouraging our congregation to sing as it calls us to in scripture throughout the week right like we're supposed to be praising God all day every day um, so in regards to ministry how, did I use my in-person ministry to the full effect of encouraging our people to have a lifestyle of singing um, I think in regards to like personal worship for myself, it brought a spotlight to physical expression. And I had a number of conversations with um, some of my friends and colleagues as to when you worship, when you're engaged in an online worship service, are you physically expressing differently than you would in person, right? And every single time people said, well, of course, mm -hmm. right? And that just made me think, why? Why? Because our subject, like the God has not changed whether or not he's worthy of worship. So it just asked questions of why is it that we're changing our physical response to that, that glory. Um, and I've been diving into that question and having a lot of fun with it. Okay, thank you. What about you, Todd? Uh, well, my story is a little different. It started before COVID because I went on stress leave before COVID. And, and I was at home and it, it just, it made me kind of, you know, step back and all of a sudden everything I'm doing, every kind of worship that I am doing is, is just personal. No one else's is, is, no one else is seeing it, but God. 
And uh, I think that realigned a lot of things for me and re made me realize that I was, I was um, not worshiping or leading and worshiping necessarily as a, uh, as a pure outpouring of, of my love toward God. Uh, and that was a, that was a hard reality for me. But then when it settled in, I started working through my journal, working through Psalms and, and being authentic and, and writing and expressing my, myself, whether it's a song that would be singable for other people or not. Uh, it's just my worship to God. And, uh, and then COVID hits and I'm feeling like, oh, I'm about ready to get back into the things. And then, uh, and then everyone else came home too. <laughs> it was like, I, I, I was at home and then all, and now everybody's at home and now what? Uh, and I think that broadened my understanding too, because all of a sudden I, I could be, um, in one of the first times in my life, more of a, uh, a, a watcher or a, a seeing things from the sidelines a bit and seeing different churches and what they were doing and how we're worshiping. And that perspective, uh, I think really helped me, uh, just to question, uh, how we worship and, and how much broader and fuller we could make, um, I guess our services and challenging our people to broaden their perspective of what worship is. Okay. Thank you. What about you, Jason? Um, it's been a stretch. Uh, I have realized uh, how important physical people are. Um, the switch from having to record in front of a camera when you have just your team there, uh, it certainly is a culture shift for me, even though there were cameras rolling uh, for church stuff to be able to record the service prior to this, it's still that's not your main focal point. You are um, leading people to Jesus, and so to get through the um, there's just there was just a lot to kind of figure out in my own head of what my what my heart and thoughts were doing uh, when the camera was there because there was so much technical things to think about, uh, direction looking. So all of those things kind of came into play. So they affected my understanding of worship and, and forced me to kind of say, Jesus, man, I, I got to get back to the basics here. I almost pretend like, you know, that people are, are here and you get that space. So there's that, the technical stuff. Um, but I would say this conversation and working through, and Kenzie alluded to it. I, I appreciated what you said about um, how are we on the, platform of Sunday, you know, when we have that voice, that teaching voice, that leading voice, um, helping to create a culture of the church being more than that hour on a Sunday, that that the church is a group of people that a community that love God, and even more like how, how do we, how do we in those moments help people, walk people through, whether it's liturgy, whether it's teaching, whether it's whatever, to say that they can keep doing this at 11 or 12 when your service ends that they can keep doing this and they should keep doing this throughout the day throughout the week um and so i know it's um i know it's hard but um creating that culture within your church has to happen otherwise a pandemic hits and and half your church disappears because <laughs> that culture hasn't been created, right? It's just they come for the warm fuzzies on a Sunday and there hasn't been a deeper teaching of of the reality of who God is and that our call is to worship him. So it's been good. It's been, I, like you said, Mike, at the beginning, like back to the basics, really try to figure this out and then rework some things of how we've lost our way a little bit in this and come back to, to teaching our church the right way. So okay. thank you, Jason. Jared, how has COVID challenged your understanding of worship and your ministry? Yeah, um, it, it, it's done a couple of things. One, it, it makes you realize that the medium is not what's most important. And yet at the same time in my ministry right now, um, the medium is so important because we're live streaming. And so if the technology break, you know, it always was, right? You, you, you build these events and you have speakers and you have sound reinforcement and all these things happening. But if it breaks, we still have our voices. We're still together. We can still worship. 
Now all of a sudden, if the cameras break, if the live stream goes down, if the sound system breaks, you have, you're not connected. <laughs> Like in terms of in terms of that sense of of how we're connecting on it on it, so it's been a little bit stressful. That I, I realized there was a lot of stress um, in the in the things that the thoughts I was thinking when it comes to our Sunday gatherings. Because if if this all goes down, that's what in some sense I'm I'm seeing as connecting us, even though I know theologically it it you know it, it is the spirit of God that makes us one. Um, you feel that pressure, and so you're investing in the medium, but at the same time, it's forcing your brain to realize that the medium isn't the most important thing. And uh, like Kenzie and, and Jason, you both talked about this, but um, I, I really was challenged. And it's something I have been challenged with, but even more so now is, are we creating reproducible means of worship? Like, are, are we, are, you know, we put so much effort into creating this, this grand big event, you know, using our best musicians and all the technology we can leverage to create a great worship experience, um, which is something that people in their homes can't do. Um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. I think there's a value in that and there's a beauty in the, in the event and as we gather together. Um, but are we also as worship leaders, like you said, teaching people to sing, like are, are we creating reproducible ways that they on their own can be worshiping God and where in, in the home can be a place where people are worshiped. And so that's been something that's been super um, on my mind is how are we using this opportunity to do that? Teaching you how to worship in your home in a different format with different methodology, you know, where you think something you're not used to maybe. Okay, thank you. Um, <clears throat> since this is a podcast about uh, worshiping without singing, what are some ways that we can help of congregation worship that doesn't include congregational singing. And I'm going to break this question into two parts, okay? The first one is, what are some ways that we can incorporate music into worship without actually having congregational singing? So, <clears throat> Kenzie, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, before COVID happened, we were actually working on a project of bringing musical interpretation to the Psalms. Um, and it, it beautifully happened that we released it a few months into COVID. Um, and this was, in answer to your question, I think this was a way for us as a worship ministry to provide um, music to our people that isn't congregational. Um, none of these songs were meant to be a congregational tune to sing along to. It was more of a reflection of our, of how we were working through the Psalms because um, that was the preaching season of the day. Um, and it's been a blessing to our church because it, it gave words, especially the Psalms in this time of COVID, um, speak so, um, fervently to what our society and what our culture is going through. Um, yeah, so for us, it was, it was a matter of putting out, or one of the ways that we answered this question was, it was a matter of putting out recorded music for our people. Okay, great, thank you. What about you, Jason? Uh, yeah, I struggled with this one. I was better on B, um, but incorporating I mean, art, if we could just change the word uh, incorporating art into worship without, because I feel like uh, the creative, the arts do, um, they help people, whatever senses, whether it's sight or whether it's hearing, or even sometimes in some cases arts with the touch. And I have tried to over uh, the years of leading worship, whether it's an Easter service or Christmas or whatever, to have ways where the church engages in the truth of scripture in other ways than just singing. So, you know, you hold, a, you know, a nail in your hand on a Good Friday service as scripture is being read or as even music is being played in the background and you're contemplating that, that piece, that object, or, or a painting that somebody's painting. And I've, you know, throughout the years, I think the church has tried hard to be more creative than just, you know, three songs, a message and a closing song and a prayer. They've tried to incorporate um, more art in that. So I would say uh, that's an open door. I mean, there's lots of ways that, that churches can include that, um, especially 
the untapped people in the church that um, aren't musicians, um, but they're artists. And so to find a way to, um, and they, and, and their art, because there's lots to interpretation. Sometimes you look at that and go, what is that? How does that inspire me to worship? Whereas lots of art can be, especially if the artist, artist is there doing it and sharing it, um, really helpful for the church to, um, to worship God. Now in COVID where the, the medium is online, there does, that does present some, some difficulties in how you experience that, um, especially churches on a lower budget on, and not the ability to kind of film it in a way where it's captivating. But that still answers the question how you could incorporate music or art into worship without the fact that people are singing in that sense. So, Okay, thank you. Todd, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I definitely see art and I think uh, I'll just tell you what I've observed because on social media, I've realized people in our church are artists that I didn't, I didn't know there were artists before. Uh, there's one lady who's um, doing these amazing drawings and she speeds up the, the video. So she, it's like she does the drawing in two minutes really fast. And um, she threw some music to it and she posted it and I didn't even know. And like, could I put some music to that? And, uh, and so all of a sudden there's these connections going on in social media that weren't going on before. People that are artists that were before walking into church and watching a service are now posting things on Facebook and, and worshiping with their art. Another person um, started posting pictures of their masks. And there's the art that these, these masks are actually artistic because they're, they're different patterns, there's different styles, all of this kind of thing. And then they're donating them to the hospital and it's a beautiful thing. And, and so I think the question about how do we uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's happening organically. And sometimes we just, as, uh, as leaders, need to observe and listen and watch for that and recognize when you see it. Um, because it's, I believe it's happening organically as people get online and people discover, oh, I can worship with my gifts and I can put them online and give God glory. And uh, we just... We just need to recognize that and maybe make those connections where, okay, this musician and this artist can do something together. Okay, great, thank you. Jared, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I mean, when I, you know, you first think about it, my mind drops back to the, uh, you know, the offertories <laughs> where you'd have the piano player play a special number during the offering time. Um, and, uh, I mean, of course, it has many, we use music in many ways. I mean, whether it's, you know, the, the classic altar call backing track um, or whatever the case may be, like there are ways we use music already to stir the heart. And I think that's one of the things that, um, that God gave us music and, and God, God programmed us that, that I think music touches something deep inside of us, uh, emotions and feelings. And uh, singing really engages both our thoughts and our feelings. Um, and so when we're trying to find creative ways of worshiping, we have to find ways to touch both of those, right? Where it's, it's our thoughts and our feelings together, working in unison. And so whether that's reading scripture over top of, of music or whether it's spoken word, um, you, know, you know, if you're doing a congregational reading, um, you can have music underneath it. There are ways we can, we can touch the heart with music um, without necessarily having singing, right? And so those two don't have to be married. It's just sometimes it's kind of hard for us to wrap our brains around because we, we all think about, you know, oh, you know, is music too much of an idol? So let's get rid of music and just have the singing. <laughs> and now we're almost asking the opposite question. Is there a way we can have music without the singing? <laughs> and it's, it's like our brains don't know what to do with this question. Um, but I, I think there's lots we can do with music. Just add it. I mean, we have very talented musicians, um, out there and just use it in different elements. I mean, if we're talking corporately and I know there's tons, Todd, like I really appreciated that what you were saying about what's happening in social media right now, but there are ways we can do it in our corporate as well. Yeah, okay, thank you. One of the things that I read in one of the articles that I was reading in preparation for this podcast was a guy who had his, I think it was his youth group 
but um, he had uh, he had a song playing and the words up, and he had them just whisper the words, um, and and he connected it in solidarity with persecuted Christians around the world who can't sing out loud. And he said that it was a very powerful thing with the group to actually, they, were, they had to read and think and, and, and verbalize the words, even though they were just whispering. So, yeah. Thank you for, for these, um, these comments and suggestions. Now, I, the, the, the flip side of that question is, what are some ways that we can lead our congregation in significant worship that isn't musical? And uh, Jason, you said you'd actually uh, done a little more thinking on this one, so I'm going to start with you. Well, my, my thought is more at the basis of, you know, back to where we talk about the culture. If you're teaching your church that worship is more and you're leading them in a way that, that, that leads them that worship is more, um, you know, in and outside of your Sunday morning service, but primarily I think the context of today is kind of more geared towards the Sunday service you're gathering online or live in person. Um, but if that core culture shift to always including um, and trying to be creative um, in teaching that worship is more, uh, there's lots that, that we can be doing and Jared you kind of chatted about, you know, scripture reading or liturgy or patterns of worship that, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to maybe shift the culture in your church to have those experiences. But um, I would say uh, in my couple years of, of going to different churches and serving at different churches, every church kind of had a different way. And I think that, you know, one of the churches in particular opened up my eyes to um, a much more patterned flow of worship. Um, lots of readings, lots of creative, artistic, um, contemplative um, ways to worship um, that help that help me because I'm, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do lots of reading and I'll do lots of studying, but I still gravitate to more of the musical side of worship as far as the way that that I personally lead. But but sitting and being led by others in this way, I found it really refreshing and I have over the years. So um, not to freak your church out, because I think you have to do this sensitively, uh, but there are definitely ways to um, powerfully lead the church in worship through um, patterns of liturgy and, and, uh, and forms of worship that usually include centered around the scriptures, and, um, but sometimes, um, sometimes to incorporate visual elements of art and along with that as well. So, okay. Thank you. Todd, what are your thoughts on this question about leading in worship without music? Since you're said you're, you're a musician and uh, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I wanted to add about the last, the last question too, is uh, instrumental music uh, can also be a great way to um, bridge the gap between the secular and, and our church world. In, uh, in doing instrumental uh, music online, uh, I've put jazz tunes and things like that online and you get a connection with people and then you can give God glory for it. One of the things that I, I thought about this question is I'm a musician and you're asking a musician about, about not using music for worship. And it's, it tugs at us because that's our gift but it's not other people's gifts. And so I just, I went online, I'm like, what do you think of this question? And get some feedback from people that aren't singers, that aren't musicians. And I think it was, it was interesting to hear some of the response. Um, you know, one person, I worship God by writing poems or giving words of encouragement to others and how God sees them. It's a gift he has given me to draw others to him and see how Jesus loves them. And I love that because she's an encourager and she's using her gift of encouragement as worship. But also I realized in the middle of that conversation is that she is not just worshiping, she's leading others in worship with her encouragement. And uh, another person just said, everything I do. Uh, and I asked her to elaborate on that a little bit on the, you know, you know, how do you give God credit? And she said, well, 
I work, I work hard, I, I do a good job. And then my boss asked me, uh, is you're doing a good job? How'd you do it? And she said, God helped me do it. And there you're giving God glory. Um, I feel like um, I am straying off of like the service itself of where, you know, we can, we can, we can use worship in the service. That's not, uh, that's not singing or, or music. Yes, there's, there's liturgy. There's uh, reading the Psalms. Um, I think when we're online, having those comments down there to have some interaction and response, call and response, you could actually call and response online and say, here's the leader says this, and everyone types the response, right? Uh, something of that nature. Or I've, I've seen smaller groups in Zoom where everybody is, is there. It's not just the stage and they're watching, but everyone's screen is up there. And they have designated readers that take turns. Um, and, and that's been a really cool thing to witness. Um, so those are some of the thoughts I had. And, and I, I have more that, that people, uh, people shared. Uh, and it was great to see how people, many of them focus on their gifts and how they worship with their gifts. And it goes back to Jesus said um, to the, the woman at the well afterwards, uh, you know, people worship in Jerusalem, uh, uh, the Samaritans worship over here. And the real worshipers are those who worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, and I, I believe we've seen people that have grasped that worship is about worshiping in spirit and truth, no matter what that form is. If it's giving God credit, if it's adoring him, if it's giving him, it's expressing our gratitude toward him, then it's worship. And that broadens things significantly. Yeah, great. Thank you. Jared, what are your thoughts on leading without music? Yeah, um, I, I was laughing with, with Todd because um, I was thinking some of the same things, right? Like for me, who I can, I can see the pictures. Everyone you've invited has more than one instrument in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. and, and that's what we do. And so I think it's super important that to involve spiritually mature non-musicians in this process. And it's, it's a time where we all know we should be anyways, um, but it's easy to just focus on just the musicians. And so um, I think that's, that's one is, is to involve people who aren't musicians, like you were saying, Todd, right? What are people's gifts and how can we use mm -hmm. that? The other thing is uh, teach worship. Um, we need to be teaching people wh what is worship, why are we worshiping, and, and you know, really using this opportunity to, to teach people what worship is and how do we worship. What is the heart of worship? Not just, not just the tools of worship or the format of worship that we usually use, but, but be teaching them what, is, what worship really is so that they can be bringing their creativity to the table as well and saying what, what methodology can we use based upon this common framework of what worship truly is. Um, I mean, I have lots. Uh, you know, one from the hardest part for me, I think, is how do we create, you know, the head, heart, but also the unity, right? And there's lots of creative ways we can individualistically worship. But how do we create these non-musical forms where we're, we're together? And so that, that's to me why things like responsive readings, even reading creeds where we're declaring who God is, is so important. Um, and then uh, one thing we've been experimenting, I've been experimenting just a little bit with is, is this idea of postures of worship. Is how do we are you, uh, position our physical bodies in ways that can be worshipful, whether it's, you know, hands out, you know, to say either to receive from the reminder that we're receiving from God or that we're offering ourselves to God. And, and how do we use, how can we incorporate our physical bodies just as we would, you know, you're physically using your voice when you're singing, how can you physically use the rest of your body in postures of worship? I love Jason as well in just the way he's created visual uh, beauty in that. Um, and Jason, that's something you do super well. And I've always, I've always admired the way you've done that is to stimulate all the senses, right? And creating those visual beauty. Well, and I even think right now, um, Jared, like, you know, everything's on camera and um, Kenzie, you know, stuff that you guys uh, have been producing has just been, pretty awesome, mind-blowing stuff that I, I enjoy worshiping. Um, 
after I'm done my Sunday uh, um, at my church, just enjoying seeing what others have been doing. Um, and it's really cool. But I think encouraging our church, like whenever I chat with people about, you know, how they're growing in their faith, or they post these pictures on Instagram, like your, your friends Todd and mine or whatever, where they're like, church is out, you know, I'm out in nature, I'm out in God's church, and, and they're, they get inspired by the beauty of God's creation. So maybe, maybe something simple that we can do as worship leaders is just encourage the non-musical people to continue on the, the paths and the roads where they are, um, where they are worshiping God, where they're drawn to worship God, incorporate, you know, um, Mike, you and I've talked about this for years, like how some churches have brought the outside in, um, in, in ways that foster this sort of beauty and creativity that God has given us in this wonderful world that we live in. Um, but just really encouraging people like that day in, day out, find those times through the day where, where you just know God is your number one and stay in that place and work through that. Um, so yeah, I don't know how you, I don't know how you do that in a systematic way, but I think it has to happen probably more in a conversational, relational, um, teaching way. Um, so. Well, one of the things we're going to actually try, uh, coming soon is, uh, uh, on Thanksgiving actually, or by the time this is released, maybe it will have been on Thanksgiving. Um, but is to do a, a social media encourage everyone to post uh, uh, something of thankfulness on social media during the service. Um, and then we'll, we'll hashtag it so that we can kind of see them all, but where we together are using, are, are declaring not just in, you know, kind of that space we're in, but in all of our spheres, uh, we're together declaring these, these words of thankfulness and worship to our God. Um, and so it gives us a sense of unity, but also just this declaring to the nations the greatness and the goodness of our God. Great, thank you. Kinsey, did you have anything to add to this? Yeah, I would love just to touch on, Jared, you mentioning this idea of unity. Um, I was just reading a study of how when people come together and they experience a concert in person, their brain waves will sync up in a way that if they are watching the same recording, um, they don't sync up. And I think that just tells of how God has, God has designed us to meet together and be in a congregation and to experience worship as a community. And so one of the biggest things that I feel we need to focus on is how do we unify our congregation without being able to actually come together. Um, and as worship leaders, I think one of the biggest things is we have to give example and then we have to give invitation, right? So one of the ways that I see that we do this at Village is we really focus on telling stories. So we have a video team that capture beautiful stories from our people and we show them to our congregation so that we can find that that sense of unity between our people um, and then we'll talk about like whoever's preaching will we'll give invitation for you to also engage um, in that sense of worship in that sense of like of praising God for what he's doing amongst our people and I see that as promoting unity in our people can I can I add something that Mackenzie to that I I really like what you said in and one of the things I thought about is like uh, many small groups are still meeting and, and maybe as worship leaders, musical worship leaders, we can, uh, instead of broadcasting, actually go to people's houses with our instrument. Uh, and I've experienced in our small group, just a time of, uh, of musical worship. I know that's not the question, but, uh, and it's been amazing. Uh, just sitting in a little circle with eight or nine people, uh, because, because we can't meet in a big group, but we could go to them, right? Mm -hmm. Excellent, thank you. Hey, I got one more question for you. Um, and I really appreciate the insights that you have brought to this discussion. It's been, been very illuminating to me. But what are some of the things that have come out of this whole COVID pandemic that you want to continue after things go back to normal, whatever that's going to be like. And uh, again, I'd like to hear from all of you on this and maybe we'll start with you, Kenzie, on this. Um, if I never have to shake anyone's hand again, I'd be happy. <laughs> 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 anyway, not, 
but in all seriousness, um, I think I would love to maintain the, the gratitude and the understanding that our ability to meet in person is a blessing in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many Sunday mornings, like as a group praying before we go on stage, we, we thank God for that blessing. And um, we acknowledge that there's so many other people, so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that do not have that opportunity. And my prayer and hope is that when we come back together and that beautiful, wonderful, joyous day, when we do get to praise with our brothers and sisters in person, um, that we never forget what a blessing it is. Hmm. Wow, great. Jared, what are your thoughts on that? For me, it's, um... I mean, I, I, I too, I think we all do. We're all looking forward to that, you know, when we're all together. Um, I, I was going to say getting to mute other people, but that's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> My drummers keep way better time with no one clapping in the room. Um, no, but for real, uh, I hope that we have learned or are learning to value our homes in a new way. Our mm -hmm. homes is a place where God is worshipped and we're a place of spiritual development. Um, and sadly, right now, that's kind of like, it feels like in place of our Sunday gatherings. But I hope that when we are able to gather again, it will be in addition to, like that there will be an emphasis on our homes as that place where the families worship together. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think there's an, an aspect of that too, where even though we're not all together in one place, we are in, we are scattered over all of our communities in our neighborhoods. And I've, I've caught myself wondering what, what must it be like to have these songs being sung and the, and this worship being done and the word being proclaimed in, in all of our different neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Todd, what are your thoughts on what would you like to maintain that you've been learning through COVID? Well, I, I really like what uh, Jared said about, um, about unity and the, the globalization of what we see in worship where, you know, like I've seen a hundred, 200 person choirs in, online and, and just, just seeing that unity. But um, for me, I think it's seeing people um, start to worship with their gifts uh, in an authentic way. Mm -hmm. I've seen more um, original uh, music, poems, writing, artistic um, pieces come out during this time than I've ever seen before. And, uh, and so seeing people uh, not just go on song select and, and pick the top 20, um, but, but actually have the courage to express themselves the way God created them. And I would like to see that not, not stop, but even increase as we move forward into the future. Okay. Thank you. Jason, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, mine was more of a technical um, slash uh, outreach type of answer in that I, what has started in our church, which maybe was lacking before where we didn't do um, services online or we didn't have much of an online presence. We weren't really using, we were using socials and things like that to kind of promote or whatever, but, but really people don't enter a church for the first time. They will always go to a website or to YouTube or to whatever in the area. If they're thinking even, I want to check out church, they'll do it online first, likely, at least the generations coming up. So uh, one thing that I definitely don't want to change once things go back to normal is lose that, that all the stuff that we're working towards, we need to keep doing it to some degree. I know you can't have everything um, and we have our limitations, but we should still be speaking that language and be aware of it. Like Todd, I appreciated how, what you said earlier about when people, you know, check out church and it's online, what, what are they in being invited to? What are they being encouraged to um, so just to be more aware of the audience um, that, you know, when we're in our building, we can just sort of get way too inward thinking, but we need to be thinking missionally and how can, how can our worship um, 
speak to the world around us. It's, it's been kind of cool because I'm sitting in my shed here and my neighbor just over there, um, we did a, a pre-recording of a church service in my backyard a few weeks ago. And he just sat there on his fence, just kind of looking over uh, at what was happening. And I have a really good relationship with him. I love him to bits. And uh, and he was just like, dude, I didn't even know you played the guitar. I didn't even know, like, I, you know, he knew I played music, but he's like, here I am out there with, with a few other people. And I just thought the opportunities that this has caused everyone home, like Jared, uh, what you're saying, everyone's kind of forced to be home now. Now church is kind of right around my neighbors here. And so just that awareness um that we need to be showing people who jesus is that is as worship leaders what we do we need to be showing people who jesus is and inviting people to them um even our neighbors who haven't been yet so he now he's been to my church he he uh he saw the video so it's all good that's awesome yeah oh you well, thank you so much for your participation today you've given us some some real food for thought and some valuable insights. And I appreciate that. You know, we worship an infinite creative God. So giving him praise and glory is so much bigger than, than we can know. I just want to leave us with a, with a passage of scripture from the end of Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who's known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? And here's, the, here's just the key to our worship. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then he launches immediately into chapter 12 where he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Thank you for listening, Amen. folks. And I hope that as we have explored this topic, that it will not only give us help in the short term as we navigate a global pandemic, but will help broaden our understanding of worship in general. Thank you and goodbye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you were encouraged and inspired as you listen to these amazing leaders talk about what the heart of worship truly is. And as always, I want to remind you that our team here at the Fellowship Pacific Ministry Center is here to support you anytime you need it. To find out more about the resources we have available and to get in contact with us, visit our website at www.fedpacific.ca.